Hello and welcome to Love the Agent, your new favorite podcast on all things real estate. Now introducing your host, Alexandria Bolton, and her new co-host, Catherine Claire Ninus. Alex is the principal broker of Hippo House, LLC. You can find out more at lovetheagent.com. Did you see any famous people at the Derby? Uh, no, but Eduardo, the contractor, said that he saw Marky Mark. Oh, that's cool. I know. I, was I like, freaking oh, love Marky I love Mark. He, I know. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. He's the best. He's so hot. Whatever he's doing. Yes. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. Rentals. Go. <laughs> ah! So today we're talking about rentals. From the perspective of you own a home and now you're going to move out and rent it out to somebody. So that's kind of the the approach we're taking today. Today we're going to cover that, which is usually somebody's first approach into rentals is to get out of their primary residence and uh, rent it out. And a lot of times, you know, you're moving into a bigger home. And if you can rent it out for higher than your mortgage payment, then you can actually show a positive cash flow for that asset on your income statement. Um, So yeah, that's one approach for it. But we're also going to go over the equation that you look for for rentals in general, because um, I feel like a lot of times when it's your owner occupant home, it's not going to get you the rate of return that is really a desirable rate as an investor. So it's an easy approach, uh, but it's not an investor's approach. So we're going to go over both. So when discussing rentals, you're, you want to figure out what your rate of return is going to be. And from investors that I have spoken to, here is the equation that you want to look for. Mm-hmm. You take your rental rate, which you're receiving as the rental income, and you divide that by your to- total cost. So your rental rate divided by your total cost, which could be the purchase only. It could be the purchase and the rehab that you put into it, fix up, furniture, all those things. You take your rental rate divided by your total cost and you want that percentage. That's going to create a percentage value for you. 0.0012 is what you want. I just want to do a little disclaimer. There is a lot of head math in this episode, also in the last last week's episode. <laughs> and it's so yeah. going to go down that path a little bit, unfortunately. I think it's good to let the audience know, hey, guys, if, if this is something that you're truly interested in getting into, you do have to kind of know these, these formulas. This is the best and funnest use of algebra that you're ever going to have. So there's a lot of math that goes into it. Some some algebra, you're some saying. Algebra, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. I think I did in college I did math in the social sciences. I was a liberal arts major, so I was very non-math oriented. So it's a little intimidating at times. Did you just pick up all of the equations and knowing, you know, ROR, ROI, all that stuff? Did you just pick it up along the way? Yes, I did. I learned that a little bit in college, knew what they were by definition. But then in conversation with my old bosses and other investors, when I would hear the application or the use of the term, then I would later Google, you know, like, what is ROR, rate of return, is what that means. Will you put that up on our website, ROR, like a little cheat sheet? Uh, You'll see how to calculate your return on. um... Rate of return. Thank you. Rate of return. You were going to say ROI, return I was on investment, say R- yeah. which is return on investment. Yeah. 
just Google it. Fortunately, Google has access to all of those things very easily these days. So mm-hmm. if you're ever in a situation and you hear somebody use that term and you don't know what it is, don't be ashamed. Just go Google it and be abreast of the conversation. So you're buying this rental. Do you run all of these equations before you actually purchase it? Yes, absolutely. And this is how I determine whether or not I'm going to purchase it and what I might need to purchase it for or what I might need to receive in rent in order to make it worth my time as an investor. So mm-hmm. let's just make it really idiot proof. What are you looking for when you buy? And this is from an investment perspective. This is not from a homeowner's perspective. For okay. an investor, if you're looking for an ideal rental, you would take your rent rate, which you expect to receive in monthly rental income, your monthly rate, and divide that by your total cost, which would be your purchase and your rehab. This does okay. not include holding costs. That gets factored in later. What are uh, holding costs? That's like your utilities and your lawn care and your insurance. Okay. Uh, well, but sometimes a lot of times your insurance is covered in your mortgage payment. And if, you know, that's a question to have with the lender and that's something that you go over when you're financing it. But in general, you're looking at what you receive in rent divided by what the project is going to cost you to acquire. When you divide these by each other, you're going to come out with a decimal number. It will be 0.01244444, something like that. But it will be 0.01. And then you're going to swing your decimal over two spaces to take it from a decimal to a percentage. So let's say I have a home and I'm going to rent it out for $1,200 a month. Okay. I'm using my calculator along the way. Just so I'm visual, which is I'm in the wrong medium, I guess. But (laughs) here we are. Okay. $1,200 for rent. Okay. And now let's say that home cost me $98,000 to buy. Okay. And let's say this one came ready to go. Okay. So I'm going to do 1200 divided by 98000 So you do it by the total purchase price of the home. Yes, and your rehab cost if you had any. So if you do 1200 divided by 98000 it will equal 0.012244. Is that what you got? Yep. Perfect. So then you're going to swing your decimal over and you're, you know, then you, your monthly income will be 1.2% of your cost which is a great rate for a rental. What's the low end that you wouldn't 1.0. Okay. So anything over 1.0 is probably worthwhile. Yes. And then to make the math even more simple on that. So let's say you buy a home for a hundred thousand, you want to get at least a thousand in rent period. And mm-hmm. if you can get 1200 in rent, then you, then you're achieving those better rates of return that investors are truly looking for. And the higher, the better. One point anything percent is great. So our equation is making sense to you. Yes, the equation makes sense. So let's just do another mathematical example to make sure we understand correctly. All right. And this one might be a more realistic uh, equation that an owner-occupant situation would encounter. Mm -hmm. So let's say I bought my home for $125,000 three years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Over the years, I've redone the kitchen and the bathroom, and I've put probably 25000 into it. So I'm going to say my total cost for my home between my purchase price and the 25000 over the years is 150000 Okay. And then we're going to rent it out for $900 a month? Yes. So okay. now we're taking 900 divided by $150,000, mm-hmm. and that equals 0. 0.006 something after that so mm-hmm. that one is only receive if i move my decimal over to places 006 to 0.6 percent rate of return maths 
Love it. But that wouldn't be good because we want it over 1%. Exactly. Exactly. So not worth it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That makes me so happy that you understood. So it's important to know kind of the rental comps, what people are paying in that same area when you're looking to buy a rental to make sure that you're all in cost of the home um, and what you could charge with rent on, you know, what the market demands gets you over that one point zero percentage mark yes and it's not the end of the world if you don't achieve that rental rate because i've met other investors a friend of mine had a rental portfolio that included like six homes and i um went over this equation with him and he he had lived in a home fixed it up a little bit rented it out bought another home fixed it up a little bit rented it out bought another one rented it you know he had done that and none of his homes met this equation but he was receiving more on the monthly rent than his mortgage payment cost. So he was still cash flowing and therefore, you know, so it can still be huh. a cash flowing investment uh, because these are really difficult rental rates to achieve. They're nearly virtually impossible in Denver right now. Mm -hmm. But this is just like this is a prime rent rental rate. And if you listen to this podcast, go out, get a rental, and then all of a sudden, this is your your thing, and you get three rentals. One of them could not meet the equation, but the other two could be over, so you're all in, could be over that 1.0%, 1, 1 and you'd still be golden. Exactly. And what that client and I did was we decided let's diversify your portfolio. So hmm. the houses that he had done that with were really nice homes. They were in really nice parts of Louisville. And those homes are going to maintain value better than some of the other ones that we added to his portfolio that really achieved these rental rates. Gotcha. So that's another thing to consider. Sometimes in giving up that strong rate of return, you might go for a more stable or reliable asset in a more up and coming area. And then the approach can go over to the, I just want my uh, mortgage covered. I think a lot of people look at rentals, like, I, you know, how much am I going to make above my mortgage? And that's all mm -hmm. they care about. Um, and that is one way to go about it. That is, you and know, how much cash flow perspective. Exactly. I was, yes. Oh, I was so just about to say that's a more cash there, flow approach. Like what's the percentage difference if you're going off of rate of return versus cash flow? It depends on your debts. And that's why a lot of times when investors are assessing an, an investment opportunity, they look at the cost instead of like, you know, monthly income versus monthly liabilities, which you might do for a cash flow perspective. They're looking at, you know, because they might assume that they're buying it in cash. And then it's like, well, what what rate am I getting on my cash? So it becomes, okay. you know, that's a factor. That's kind of why somebody might use one a comparison over another but i'd honestly like i said I'd, I'd have to like google them and look at the equations for 10 minutes and i if you want me to we can you know no, that's okay i think this is, a, this is a good dive into some of these concepts because for me um for a lot of people you you get the idea of you know you know that real estate is important you want to get into this market and you don't really know where to start so this is a very practical illustration of you know before you buy that rental property you need to you need to run the numbers that's just there's no other way around it yeah you know i i am 
can achieve these numbers. I know that it's possible for you to achieve them, but it might not be possible in Seattle, for example, which is why I literally have a client that is based out of Seattle. I've never met him. And he bought Rachel Richards' previous, actually, the property. Oh, how funny. And he bought it. And now I have to manage it. I should say I get to manage it, which is a whole other thing that goes into property management. And if you guys haven't listened to season one, Rachel Richards was one of our first guests. She's excellent. Gives a great breakdown of how she got into real estate and how important it is to become financially independent and how you can use real estate to do that. So if you haven't already, um, go back to season one and and take a listen to that. Absolutely. Rachel's all about building wealth and the rental portfolio is definitely a great way to do it. So when it comes to, you've got your rental, you got to find qualified tenants. Don't use your family run a credit check. Um, these days, there's a lot of resources online that you can do an online application. I use formstack.com. Uh, there's all kinds of tools that you can do. Um, and you can, you know, you're pulling somebody's credit and all their info, their past history. You want to call and make and verify the information that somebody submits. And the next component of property management is handling the money. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole thing in and of itself. You know, it is a monthly accounting thing that you need to do. So if you're managing properties for others, then you're going to be, you know, receiving all of the rent payments and making all the payments to the owners and to the repair costs and to the cleaning and the maintenance and blah, blah, blah. So, and then the other component of property management is addressing the repair and maintenance issues. I think that's a big thing that people get scared off by, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Changing the air filters, making sure that the smoke detectors have batteries. Um, So when you're qualifying tenants, you want to look for history of employment, income, credit. And some people will write off someone if they have bad credit. I am like, "Eh, sometimes I'm I'm dealing with a home that only caters to people that have bad credit. And I've mm-hmm. had bad credit, honestly, multiple times. So mm-hmm. I feel like the way to get around that, to circumvent that problem, is to ask for a larger security deposit. Oh, okay. When my credit was bad, I knew that I just, I was like, okay, here's double security deposit. And, yeah. you know, it is what it is. So I don't think I've told you this. When I was in college one summer, I went down um, to Waco, Texas, before it was fam- made famous by the Gaines family. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. I did an internship for a property management company and worked at two different apartment complexes in Waco, which that's where uh, Baylor is. Mm. And so it was kind of catering to students and whatnot. And I had to go and I was pulling people's credit reports from their application to make sure, you know, they met the the threshold and, and whatnot. The folks training me gave me some interesting insight they said, you know, look at the total credit score, but also look at the items, you know, they said, if 
their credit report is is bad, you know, if they have a really low score, but all you're seeing are medical costs, like that's fine because everybody has that. It's just kind of something that is running rampant in America, people going to collections over medical bills. I'd never thought about that before. You know, this isn't some person, you know, skipping out on their student loan or a car payment or whatnot. These are just people who couldn't afford thousands and thousands of dollars of medical bills. So we wouldn't take those into consideration. That's a great insight. And it's up to each person or landlord to kind of make their own decisions what they're comfortable with and not mm-hmm. comfortable with. But property management is just such an important part of rentals because you can find rentals that you know match your formula all day long. And if you can't manage the tenants, then you know you've the formula is a moot point if you can't get any income in or and or sustain a good low level of vacancy. Ooh, I have a good question, Alex. What would you say are high priority items to fix or replace when you're buying a property for the purpose of renting it out? What would you pass on and what would you absolutely spend the money and time updating? That's a great question. I heard somebody else say this. I forgot who it was. I can't take credit. Uh, Provide the washer and dryer. Mm -hmm. Because people will ding the shit out of the house, bringing their own stuff in and out. Oh. And who, I'm sorry, who doesn't love a nice HE front load washer? Exactly. It helps get a better return and it's less wear and tear on your house. Um, So that's one trick that I love. Another one is I put granite in my rentals. People are like, you're nuts. That's stupid all the time. But I am like, it takes all of somebody resting a lit cigarette on a laminate counter for it to destroy that counter and need to be replaced for the next tenant. And it allows you to charge a higher rent. I mean, I do this in my section eight rentals all day long and people think that's stupid, but I think it's smart. There's something to say for improving, you know, someone's quality of life, you know, whether or not it's section eight housing or high-end boutique apartments. Plus you see a lot of people today aren't buying homes. And so there is a demand for those types of nicer finishes in the, in rentals. Absolutely. And it's a win-win for both parties, really. What would you not put money into? If there's already tile there, I would never pull out tile and redo it for no reason on a rental. Like paint it if you, you know, hate the look of it, but I would not, I would not do that. A lot of states require that you have window dressings, like blinds and stuff. And I would always just put the cheap ones in uh, and just do new ones. Ooh, they make... um fabricated wood blinds now that are super affordable. I purchased them in my last home. I think it was selectblinds.com. It was just you enter in your measurements, pick your color. They'll send you samples beforehand of the material so you can see what exactly it'll look like and just screw it into the window. It was so easy, but it made such a huge impact on the home, both from a privacy perspective and an energy efficiency. You know, you're keeping the sun from heating up your home. You're keeping some of the warmth in, you know, so it's that energy perspective, privacy perspective. I have a big old home and the air, you know, the HVAC wasn't kicking like I wanted it to. And literally just putting blinds up to block the initial sunlight made a huge difference in the interior temperature. Mm-hmm. That the house I just bought, I've shown you photos, Alex, of the open living room. It has 17 foot ceilings. So mm, nice. with that, I've got two stories of windows and it just bakes in the sun. 
And so I recently ordered um, custom drapes, which sounds expensive, and it can be. One quote I got was $4,500. Yeah, no, just just no. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So I went to Amazon, found this place where you can just enter your exact measurements that you want. And they're specifically to keep the sun out. You know, they're pretty, but they're plain under $300. Oh, nice. So I'm going to hang those up. We'll see. I'm sure. I'm sure that that will have a huge difference. I'll do one last trick that I really love to spend time on is really just making sure that it's clean for showings is so important. You know, put the toilet seat down, make sure there's toilet paper there, make sure it smells good. Uh, make it look nice make sure the outside is cleaned up and the grass is cut and it will have an effect on the you know people's desire to rent and how much they're willing to pay for it so make sure you take your the time to clean in between tenants so much to do with rentals so on that note our expert guest this week is a property manager that's all he deals with So I'm here today with Brandon Skolton, who is the manager of Key Renter Property Management in Denver. And we go back having being previous business associates. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You are the first person I thought of when I was going to go into the topic of property management. I appreciate that. So we met uh, back in 2013 out in Denver and you managed... I think about 50 rentals at that time. Yeah, that sounds right. So the, so yeah, just for one investor, they had a, a small portfolio that they were growing and was managing the property for them. So how did you get started in that? You were well, well into it when we met, but when did you get started? Yeah. So I think the first of it started in about 20, maybe 2012. Um, so that I was working for that same investment group who was doing a lot of flips and I was just helping kind of manage some of those projects and helping with some of their acquisition efforts. And um, at one point they got this idea that, that they were seeing all these, um, these low end condos go through the foreclosure sale at, you know, 20 to 30,000 each. And then they'd see similar apartment buildings go through that were selling for 60 to 80,000 a door. So their idea was, why don't we just buy up a ton of these condos and we can almost have like a virtual apartment complex. Um, They knew management would be a challenge of that, but you know, they were comfortable with me and stuff. So said, Hey, why don't, will you help us manage these um, just until we get to a point where we could hire someone full-time to do it. So that was the original idea. And they had targeted when we get to 40 of these units, these condos all over the, all over the Metro area, we'll hire somebody. Can you help us get to 40? So I said, sure. Yeah. I'll, you know, might be some good experience, but yeah, we, we got all the way to a hundred and I kept going with it because I, I think I just liked it more than I thought I would. And bravo to you for that. <laughs> you have such a positive attitude about it. I do not <laughs> after uh, my exposure to your uh, setup with it was very positive and you had really great systems down uh, and just trying to replicate that. Know. You did, yeah. I was gonna say you must have spent a lot of time discovering it. Tell us how you figured out what was what worked for you. Yeah, I mean, it was just the school of hard knocks. They didn't they didn't give me any resources or direction. Really, just said, "Hey, figure this out." So, <laughs> yeah, but it was you know, I'd get up to. I, I imagine I don't remember it exactly, but I know it. 
I know I remember distinctly at about 40 units when I was managing 40, I was like, couldn't keep my head above water. My phone's ringing constantly. And so it was a chance to say, okay, this can't, I can't keep adding what like this. Right. So I kind of took a step back and thought through some ways to simplify and, you know, create some more straightforward communication channels with tenants and leads and that kind of thing. And then, yeah, so it was just a, it was a constant process of, of kind of coming back to the drawing board of how can I simplify some more things to be able to manage what's on my plate. But yeah, once I do that, it'd get easy again and I could, you know, they'd add some more units and eventually I'd hit that kind of threshold again and have to regroup, but was able to get to, yeah, I think, I think it was like 130 that I was doing on my own by the end. All by yourself? Yeah, I mean, the, when it's an investment group like that, they had someone handling some of the accounting and they had some internal resources. So it wasn't everything of all 130 on my plate, but the bulk of it. Yeah. One of the best things I learned from you was uh, when people, when you're, sh when you have a property that's for rent, instead of having people call and ask that you come at this time and this time and this time and this time, you would say, I'm coming on this day at this time and this day at this time. So pick one of those days. <laughs> and if you can't, you know, we'll figure something out later, but if it's still available, that was like, you know, the, a big light bulb went off in my head <laughs> big sure. time. Yeah. Showings will eat up your time so quickly. And you have a, you know, it's a huge problem in the rental world of just people no showing to showings though. So yeah, you can, you'll easily spend your whole day driving around and chasing that if you don't come up with a better system. So I tried a lot of different things there. And thankfully at the time, the rental market was hot enough that, yeah, you could do something like say, Hey, I'll be there Wednesday from three to five. And maybe I had a few things to knock out at that time anyway. So um, yeah, kind of worked. Yeah, exactly. Like an open house for it. Yep. What are some other tricks that you have for the rental management, if you don't mind sharing, that just alleviated some of the headache that comes with it? Sure. So I'm trying to, I mean, again, this is like 10 years ago that I'm having to put my. What do you do? I can't wait to hear what you do now. Yeah, we'll get there. But it, um, some of the initial things, yeah, when it was just me figuring this out on my own, a lot of it was around managing like the lead flow of for the vacant units. So, um, yeah, I, I set up like a text line where I said, hey, you, you know, I, I had a, if they called, they got a voicemail that says, hey, you need to send a text with this information and I'll get back to you with this and things like that. So a lot of it was just like streamlining communication to get my phone to stop ringing. And yeah, I remember there were seasons where it was like, I, yeah, I'd like go into a meeting for an hour and I come out and there's seven voicemails before I can even listen to all seven. There's more being, you know, so a lot of it was just managing communication like that. And nowadays there's some better tools there, but, um, that I'm aware of, but, um, yeah, a lot of it was trying to come up with things like that. Even maintenance, having a, I would just use like Google voice and set up a unique line where, Hey, all the maintenance needs to go here. You can text or call they, but I set the expectation. Like I'm not going to ever answer this line. If it's an emergency, then you call this other phone, but this line is for any non-emergency and you'll do that by leaving a message. And then I could take a chunk of my day where I just listen through those and assign the work orders out and that kind of thing. Genius. Genius. What happened next in your journey? Somewhere along that road of when they were acquiring those units, I, um, yeah, I just thought, man, I should get in the game a little bit if they're going to 
make all this money on these condos and stuff. So yeah, I put together a little partnership. I didn't have a lot of money, but found a couple other guys, one of whom was, you know, didn't know anything about it, but had some money to put in. Um, so we all kind of pulled a little bit of money and ended up buying like four of these kind of low end condos that over the last year we've sold out of, but that was kind of the first smart move. Yeah. So I mean, they like tripled in value. So it's crazy, but, um, yeah, so that was kind of part of it. Of part of how I got into owning some rentals is just that partnership, as well as then I just sort of did like some house hacking on my own, where you know I'd just buy a place and live there with my wife for a few years, and then we'd rent it and buy our next one. Smart, you're so smart. It yeah, it wasn't as strategic as I maybe make it sound now. Like some of this just oh, that makes sense, and and we we had the advantage of appreciating market where so you move into a place and you live there three years and then you can take a HELOC to put the down payment on the next place um, kind of thing. So yeah, we were able to leverage like that and and make it happen. Do you think it's worth, uh, I mean, it's, you have a little bit more responsibility when it's your own property and do you feel like it's been worth it completely? I mean, you, you kind of thrive with the management and I think a lot of people kind of skid and burn out and, can you know lose their marbles on the management how how, do you feel like it's worth it yeah i mean i think you have to answer that for yourself if it's worth managing your own rentals Um, obviously i own a management company too so i know there's a big need out there for people who don't want the headache and to figure it out and um so yeah I, i think that's very personality driven and um i i tell you know when i do talk to clients thinking about which way to go i always like I say, I'm not going to twist your arm. It's not rocket science, but it is, there is some work involved here and there has to be some commitment to educating yourself as to, you know, how to do this the right way. It's not just learn as you go. Cause you will, you know, there, there are, there is potential to end up way in over your head. So it's not just, yeah, just don't, don't wing it. Don't, don't do it sloppily. If you're going to do that, please hire a management company. But um, yeah, if you're going to do it on your own, take the time to, to educate yourself a little bit and make sure you have a good lease and understand how to screen for a good tenant and that kind of thing. So you've, and just to sum it up, you feel like absolutely you love it. It's worth it for you. <laughs> to manage my own? I mean, just to be in, in rentals altogether. Oh yeah. No, it's been been very good to me. So yeah. Absolutely. You're one of the few people I know that has such just a positive attitude about it and you manage it so seamlessly. So tell me what you're doing now. How did you get into, so you're the manager of this man, this franchise management company. Yeah. So, um, um, so we'll go back to that investment group got up to hundred and some rentals. Um, this was about 2015. And at that point, I kind of wanted out in some ways. It was, I liked some things about it, but I also felt like I was in this weird spot of being, you know, I worked for them. So I was kind of my own boss, but really I just like owned a job there. Right. And there was, there was some risk too of if they decided to sell out or make some changes or something, I would be out. At that point, I I knew I needed to make a change of some sort, but I I felt like I'd started to, I started a little side business to manage for outside of this investment group, just because I was getting like friends and family who were like, Hey, can you help me out with this? And I, even just the few I owned in the partnership and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I decided that there was enough opportunity there. I'd never 
tried to build that business or anything on the side and it seemed like things were just falling in my lap and um it kind of just seemed too like the what i'd learned through managing these lower end condos there was something i really liked about it too it was like i could a lot of these tenants were kind of lifelong tenants and what what you might expect in that world but i found like as if i could slow it down a little bit like take the time up front to build trust with them and it really made a difference for them like they it, I, I could almost like see a light bulb go off for them. Like, Oh my gosh, I don't have to hate my landlord anymore. And I can trust that they'll be responsive to me. And it was like this weight was off their shoulders. So I felt like there was just like a real opportunity to do something good with this too, you know? So, um, I decided, uh, I was going to just put, put some energy into building this, this side business that I had going of, of my own rentals. Um, I kind of felt like I needed to get out at some point of the, the partnership, yeah, that real estate partnership. And I just felt like it was time to move on from that. So I decided to go out on my own, build this business. I'd hired a guy to help me rebrand it and build a website and stuff. And then someone had mentioned that there were property management franchises. So I kind of thought, well, maybe I'll take a quick look at that and just make sure that doesn't, um, you know, make more sense. And yeah, found this reinventing the wheel. Yeah. So I went one of the one that I looked at seriously was Key Renner that I ended up with. And um, they were out of Salt Lake and they were really new at the time. They were just getting this thing off the ground. They didn't have any open franchises, but I felt like it was a good match because I didn't need the business in a box. But they were much further down the road in terms of things involved with like true fee management, where you're managing for a lot of different owners and you have to figure out how to market to them and set up good systems for that and all that. So um, yeah, I felt like it, I, there was a lot I could learn from them while still, I, I kind of came in new, knowing how to manage property. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I launched that in, um, this was April of 2015. And so, yeah, fast forward to today, we manage about 600 properties and I've got a staff of, I think, uh, there's 18 of us. Wow. Yeah. I didn't have your phone number. So I had to like call a tree line to get a hold of you. And they're like, Mr. Skolton will call you back. I'm like, okay, tell him it's Alex. <laughs> That's awesome. It's very impressive. Very, very impressive. And I think it's really impressive to hear that um, you, who whom I saw to have great systems, felt that this company offered even better systems uh, for marketing and management. So I think that that really speaks volumes as to, you know, what you thought that it would bring as a value to your setup, because you had some, I mean, just very logical systems. And I think that that's a component that often gets left out. People get emotional, especially like homeowners managing this. is And tell me, this is funny. Uh, and I'll go be going into this more in the educational component, but I want to hear your take on it before I get your wrap up of advice. Um, so it's illegal for people to manage property for other people without being licensed in a realtor and this as a realtor in the state of Kentucky and Florida. I feel like that might be a Colorado too, yeah. Yeah, a nationwide thing. But you yeah, see, I, I see it so much. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's all over the place. And then, like I think people sometimes think they're not really managing cuz like, well, I won't actually collect the rent. I'll just help with it or, you know. But yeah, it's at least how it's written in Colorado, it's like if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, you know, it's probably a duck. So, um, yeah, certainly something to be aware of and be careful of. And a lot of times, even if you do have a real estate license, your brokerage may not 
want you doing it. So that's something to. Yeah. A lot of realtors think that they can go do it and you can't, you have to operate through your broker and you are your own broker. Yeah. No, I am. Yeah. Yeah. I should give a plug for the, for NARPM, um, National Association of Residential Property Managers. It's kind of like the National Association of Realtors. It's kind of that for property managers and certainly a good place where, yeah, like go find the members of that who are doing it right and committed to ethics and education and kind of stand up on doing it right and that kind of thing. And it's a good place to get involved too if you want to get into this world of, um, yeah, a lot of resources there to figure out how to do it right. And I think that's actually a really good uh, point. Uh, so, and I've kind of fallen into management again. I'm like, oh, here we go again. I don't want to do this, but I will. Um, I'm going to give it a shot. I don't know why, honestly, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. And I'm trying to just like go into it with a really positive attitude. And so you'll be doing some management. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 12 doors in one building. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's weekly rentals, but they have to have a two-month minimum. Okay. And the building is not in the greatest shape, but it's, I'm going to, I'm going to shine it clean and I'm going to start getting so it's weekly rentals, not like vacation. Yes. Uh, <laughs> in some ways, uh, but some people have been there for eight years. So, okay. um, okay. So just as a wrap up, if you have some advice for a 26 year old version of yourself or somebody like you getting into real estate, what would it be? Yeah, I think it would be stay curious and you know, ask lots of questions and try things. Yeah. Make sure you're not doing anything that's going to ruin your future career prospects by, you know, getting in legal trouble or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think one thing that I um, just have really benefited from was trying a lot of different things and just being willing to, especially early on, just say yes to things that came my way and see what sticks for you and what works. And um, yeah, certainly there's so many different angles. You can go out the rental market and lots of money to be made there. So worth uh, exploring and trying out and it's one of the most important aspects of passive income you know a lot of people want to strive for passive income and feel like a rental portfolio is the way to do it yeah and even if you hate the management there's lots of ways yeah just learning the the rental game and how to you know value a rental property and choose the right management approach and all kinds of stuff Well, thank you for your time today. Uh, Again, Brandon is the manager of Key Renter Property Management in Denver, Colorado. And thank you for joining us today. Brandon, tell people how they can get a hold of you. Uh, Our website's keyrenterdenver.com and you can email me at brandon at keyrenterdenver.com. Love to hear from you. I love how he highlights the importance of so many people get into it just focused on the investment opportunity and they see green and they go but you are dealing with people and people's lives and i think that his his approach in making sure that your renters are taken care of and that their needs are met and that you're responding to them in adequate in an adequate time it's important to be an ethical landlord you don't want to be a slumlord <laughs> <laughs> right and you can have properties that you know might feel like a slum property if you will and it's all about taking your relationship with your tenants to the next level for it to not feel that way it's that simple customer service it really is yeah and the customer used to always be right and we should really bring that back especially with the landlord tenant relationship 
I love that. We'll link to Brandon's info on the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to the podcast. Also, leave us a review and rate us. And you guys can go check out our Instagram at lovetheagent. We'll post some photos of uh, some curtains and, and drapes window covering so that you guys can see what a huge difference that makes so if you're going to be getting into rentals think about window coverings next week we're going to be talking about my favorite topic which is flipping we're going to go over the general equation and what to look for house flipping i cannot wait yay all right bye